0: All right, so we started in our last session in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. We're going to cover more of that tonight, um, and then next week we'll probably cover more of 27 and then lead into verse 28, which is so familiar. Um, Because all of this context is... As Paul has been teaching through Romans chapter 8 about the help of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does for us, uh, there's one specific area that he says that the Holy Spirit gives us a special help, and the word that's used for help, the Holy Spirit helps there, we talked about that word last week, the Holy Spirit helps our weakness, and this is a very special word for help because it's used only here. In application in the new testament it's it's a word which means he takes hold of the weight of the problem and the problem is we don't know how to pray as we ought or as is necessary and so the holy spirit takes hold of that with us when we are holding the problem he's holding it we let go he lets go so the context there is that when we are praying the holy spirit's helping us know how to pray and this is, no matter how you're praying, no matter when you're praying, you can have confidence that the Holy Spirit is going to help you pray. Why? Because God wants your prayers to be effective. And so he doesn't just leave it up to you to figure out, oh, gosh, I've got to figure out the will of God in this circumstance or in this situation. Well, it's great if you have a quotation from the Bible that tells you what the will of God is, but we also have to remember that these first century Christians, they didn't have a Bible. Yeah, the Old Testament existed, but people didn't have one. And so, you know, this isn't something that they could go to and say, I'm going to check with the word to find out what I need to pray. They couldn't do that. And if it worked for them, hello, <laughs> it's going to work for us. Because the Holy Spirit wants to help us. And, and besides that, our needs are not so generalized that we can just quote a scripture and it's all taken care of. Because they're very specific in the things that we need to pray so that we pray according to his will. And there's a great verse of scripture. I didn't put it in your notes, but I want to turn to that first because we need to see this truth. And I don't know how I skipped this in my notes, but it's been a very busy few days. So, uh, 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And this verse it gives us some insight into how God wants to answer our prayers. And so 1 John chapter 5, we're going to look at verse 14. 1 John five fourteen, And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That, notice these words, if we ask anything according to his will... He hears us, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we requested or asked of him, and that word ask recurs actually four times in that verse because it's also the same word as request, and so that we have this this request, the Greek word for request there, aiteo, has comes from the word which means to make a demand, to require, to ask for something that is a, is your right. Uh, it's used often in respect to uh, a son asking the father, child asking the father. It's, it's yours because it's your right. I could ask things of my earthly father that you couldn't ask of him because I have a relationship. So it is that Paul is, or John is saying here, that we want to have this confidence in prayer. The word confidence is also translated boldness. So we have this boldness. We have this confidence. And what is our confidence? That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Well, what if it's not according to his will? He what? What? You don't hear it. It's like broadcasting on the wrong channel. Now, I know that's kind of old fashioned because we don't have tuning things anymore. It's all digital, and so it goes right to the channel. Um, but we used to have to move the antenna, put aluminum foil on it, adjust the antennas to just the right way. Young people listening to this have no idea what we're talking about. That's true but we've been there used to tune your radio and you would then fine tune the radio if you had a secondary knob there would be one that was broader and then there was one that was more fine tuning and you fine tune that little knob until you get right on the channel when I was growing up in a little town outside of Columbus we were 60 some miles from Columbus You wanted to listen to the AM station at night because that was That was Wolfman Jack. And so we had to to fine tune our radio so we could listen to Wolfman Jack and the latest rock music, which did not please my father. But anyway, but you would fine tune it. So if you're not asking according to his will, the Bible says he, he doesn't say no. People say, well, God's answer is yes, no, or maybe, or later, or whatever. No, if, he, if it's not according to his will, he doesn't hear it. But we have, Romans 8, 26, we have a helper. Let me finish this. And so we know that if, we, if he hears us, that's the next statement, if he hears us, and how does he hear us if it's what? According to his will, so if he hears us, we have it. Wow! Now, preach that to a lot of people that are, you know, trying to pray. Well, I don't know, you know, you pray and God might help you, he might not help you. Whatever. no, if it's according to his will, what's it say? He hears us, and if we know he hears us, then we also know what we have the petitions or the requests that we requested of him, or, can I get real strong? The demands that we demanded of him. Oh, you can't say that. How dare you say you made demands upon God. Jesus said, ask my father, Greek word, ateo, demand of my father, what is yours, and he will give it. Wow. So, that... That demand is not some arrogant you telling God what to do. No, that's you telling God what his will is for you and demanding that it be fulfilled. And God says, I love that. And when you do that, I'll answer it. Is it glorious? I mean, okay, I could preach my entire lesson just right here on these verses and we could all get raptured and go to heaven. But anyway... (laughs) but he left us here so we could pray. (laughs) The problem is, I don't always know what to pray. I might have a general idea, or I might have no real idea at all. All I know is the problem. I've got no idea the solution. There's the problem, but I don't have the solution. algebra class there's the problem now I can go to the back of the book and get the answer but the teacher wants to know how you solved it it's like I got no idea I solved it, I turned to the back of the book got the answer and wrote it down that's, that's how I solved the problem and, and we want things that simple but we can't I can't figure it out there's cosines and cube roots and all this stuff, and it's like, why? I don't understand how to do this. But God gives me a helper. That's where we're at tonight. Romans eight, twenty-six. My lesson tonight, number 54 in our series, The Book of Romans, Grace and Peace to You. My lesson tonight, the Holy Spirit helps us Pray. Now, last week our title was The Holy Spirit is our divine prayer partner, and He is. He's there to be that partner, He's there to help us. He helps us in the new birth. That was John 14 and 16, and He helps us live the Christian life. That's what Paul's been talking about in John chapter 8 up to this point. But there's another way that God helps us, and it is this specific word that He uses. We talked about this last week. Somebody want to come up and write it on the board? No, we don't have board. Soon, Anti Lombano. He helps us. Found nowhere else in the Bible. Pastor Bob gave us a great illustration at the end. Actually, I probably thought that up and told him about it, but I don't know. Uh, but no. Um, power steering. Now again, we're speaking to generation that knows things that younger generations have no idea what we're talking about what in the world do you mean power steering? You try to drive a car without it. And so that's how most of us probably learned how to drive. And my dad had a big Mercury Monterey. The thing was like the size of a tank. The trunk was as big as an aircraft carrier. You could lay down lengthwise in the trunk. And it was, and the thing was, had to, had to be, you know, solid steel. And, um, steering wheel that was like this big around and learn how to park in that thing oh my gosh but and of course young people is like what do you mean parallel parking what what's that it's still on the driving test yeah it's still on the driving test is it really <laughs> surprising okay but the Holy Spirit helps he takes hold against the weight of our problem. But if you're not turning the wheel, he's not helping. If you're not praying, the Holy Spirit isn't praying. So if you are actively praying about a problem, a burden, say the Greek word that's used here, anti lumbano, has to do with carrying a very heavy burden. And so you pick up your end, and he picks up his. You put your end down, he puts his end down. You don't want to carry it? he's not going to carry it you can't turn your prayers over to the Holy, Holy Spirit pray about this for me thank you very much <laughs> goodbye you know so I've, I've assigned all my praying to the Holy Spirit and, uh, and then Jesus in heaven he's interceding for me so I'll just turn it all over to him I don't have to do anything and that's not the way it works God wants to hear our prayers he wants to answer our prayers but hasn't he already figured out what he's going to do yes but he still wants you to ask Well, if he knows what he wants to do, why doesn't he just do it for you? Because he said, Ask. Mm -hmm. Say, Well, I I don't know if I agree with that. Um, Read the Bible. He tells us he wants us to pray. What happens? Why? Because that brings glory to God. We ask him, and he is glorified in our praying, Mm -hmm. he is exalted when we request things of Him, God is exalted because we show that we're not doing it. I haven't got it figured out. If I've got it figured out, I don't need to pray. So then why, when I go to prayer, am I telling God all the stuff He needs to do without asking Him what He wants to do? It's so a lot of times we go to God with all of our thing figured out and we're going to give God exactly the way he's going to do this for us instead of letting the holy spirit help us pray according to his will because when i pray according to his will he hears me and when he hears me he answers and the holy spirit helps me pray according to his will that's what we're talking about romans 8:26 likewise the spirit helps us in our weakness For we do not know the what. You have to put the little word in there. The what. It's not just we don't know what to pray. We don't know the what to pray. Meaning it's specific. And any time they add that article in front of a word, it means a very specific thing. So it's not just we don't know what to pray. We don't know the what to pray. Well, that's bad English, Brother Jackson. I don't care. It's good Greek. So go with it. We don't know the what to pray. I might have a general idea, but how am I going to pray according to the will of God to get this accomplished? I do what? I pick up my end of the log, and He picks up His end. I pull on the steering wheel, and the power steering engages. I'm not pulling, it's not engaged. I'm not praying. He's not helping. So when I pray, he immediately comes to my aid. And how's he doing? What's he going to do? Praying for us as we don't know how to pray as we ought or as is necessary or as the situation requires. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. The Spirit Himself intercedes for us. This is a this is a very strong Greek word, we talked about this last last week also, hooper intonkano, right? Huper intoncano, and it's a long word, and I won't make you spell it back for me. But it means an intense prayer with the other person as the object. So intoncano can can be something that you're asking yourself, you're requiring something, but This hooper in Tunkano means I'm asking, and i it's not for me. It's totally for the person that I'm asking for. So the Holy Spirit's not praying for himself, because he doesn't need prayer. He's praying, and listen, listen, I said this last week, I am the object of his praying. Not what I'm praying about is the object of his praying. I am the object of his praying. And the object of his praying is that I know what to pray. So he engages in this to help me know the what to pray as is required. And when I know the what to pray as is required, he hears me. And when he hears me, he answers. Right? So this is all about, look look how God gets involved in this. And yet we have wandered around a lot of times in our thoughts on prayer and our teachings on prayer about well you you know you you got to figure out how to do it right you better figure out how to do it right you got to no all I have to do is engage and he takes over to help me doesn't take over my prayer he takes over to help me so I trust that he's going to give me the words that I need to pray so that God's will can be accomplished through my prayer I just believe that. Why? Because the verse says to. We have this. And we know. That when we pray. He's going to get involved. And so the Holy Spirit incedes for us. With groanings too deep for words. And we talked about that phrase last week. But that simply means you don't hear what he's saying. Groaning too deep for words is not praying in tongues. Grunting too deep for it is the Holy Spirit talking to God. You don't even hear it. But the Greek phrase means it's deep and it's intense. His praying is deep and intense. And he's praying for us in such a manner that you can't even fathom. Do you, you ever have an intense time of prayer come upon you? I mean, just really intense. Well, you know what? When you are praying, the Holy Spirit is praying that intensely so that you have the words to pray. And you just have to trust him to give you those words. I didn't say just sit there and wait for God to give you the words. No. Pray. Move your mouth. Pray. With your understanding, and we're going to talk later in in tongues, and we're going to pray, and he's going to give us words. And I trust him to give me the words to pray so that God's will is accomplished. Why? Because God wants to answer prayer. Because it helps us, but more than helping us, it what? It glorifies him. It exalts him. It's not, look what I did through prayer. It's look what God did through me when I prayed. Look what God did. Look how God moved in this situation. I've had times when I've had people come down to prayer lines and I've been praying for people, or uh, in other times, but specifically, it's happened in these situations where I go up to someone and I, I'm, I pray in the Spirit for a couple of minutes, and we'll talk more about that here in just a little bit. But I pray in the Spirit maybe for a couple, a minute, maybe just a few seconds, and God gives me words to speak. And sometimes people have said, how did you know that that's what I needed? The Holy Spirit helped me pray according to the will of God so that his work could be accomplished. I am not smart enough to figure out how to pray for everybody's problems. But God is. Now, verse 27 ties into this, but we're going to skip verse 27 for a little while. Okay, so I've done a whole bunch of teaching down here through my notes, and i got no idea where I am. Um, but where I want to go to is I want to quickly look at, we're going to jump ahead a little bit here, uh, to verse 28. Now, we're going to come back to verse 28 in about two weeks. We'll talk a little bit about it next week, but um, we're going to get more into what verse 28 is about. But I want you to jump down there. It's, it's right there in your notes on the first page. I forgot to put the numbers in front of it. It's Romans eight twenty eight, And we know. See that in red? Everybody there? There's red, then there's a black paragraph, then there's red. Everybody there? And we know. Right? Are those familiar words? And we what? We know. We don't guess. We're not assuming. We're not presuming upon God. We know. And this is the ESD, that for those who love God, all things work together. The Greek word work together is the word geo. We'll come back to that in a minute. That for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Now, we'll continue with that in some thoughts. But notice in this phrase, all things work together for good. Listen to me. I put this in your notes there. Things don't work themselves together. That's people that believe in fate. People that believe in luck. People that believe in evolution. All right, I'm going to move on from that. (laughs) Things don't work themselves together. Somebody works them together. You can't just put a pile of pieces in the middle of a room and the pieces work themselves into a watch. That's not going to happen. But somebody can come in and take all those little pieces and put them together and they work together to create a watch. Again, why we don't believe in evolution. Because things just don't work themselves together. You can't just take a random um, number uh, of, of numbers, <laughs> a random gathering of numbers, and put them down on a piece of paper and they work themselves into an algebraic equation. No, somebody's got to work them into that solution. You can't just put a bunch of letters on a page and then uh, them work themselves into a paragraph. Somebody does that. Right? So when we read this verse, don't think the things are working themselves together. It's not this problem in your life. It's not that situation in your life. It's not this thing in your life that are working themselves. No, they're not. That's people that believe in fate. Chance. We don't believe in fate and chance. We believe in a God who orders things. And God takes those random situations, those things that we have gone through, the, ex- the experiences we have had, and God works those together. For who? For the good of those who love Him. He works them together for good for those that love Him. Now they put the phrase for those who love Him at the beginning of the sentence. doesn't matter where you put it. The context is God does this for those that love him. Who's that? Believers. And is further summarized as those who are called according to his purpose. See, and I I guess stop or I'm going to get into my lesson for the next time. It's it's not just God loving us, he has a purpose for each one of us, a plan I'm not even going to use the word destiny. Because it's stronger than that. It's God as an exact place he wants you to be. And God is going to take your experiences and put them together for good. Not just for you, but for good through you. Joseph. God took experiences and worked them together. Joseph said, you planned it for evil. See, this is where man's plans come in. God planned it for good. God had another plan in mind. What, to send you to prison, to make you suffer, to get you accused of rape, to put you in prison for years? To have? No, that wasn't God's plan, but God took that and worked it. God took that and worked it. All right, so... Man, I'm really getting ahead of myself on this, but it's you've got to see. And all of this, listen, verse 28, stay with me here, verse 28 follows what? Verse 27, which follows verse 26. So there's a, there's a progression here. And that because the Holy Spirit is helping me pray according to the will of God and he's going to intercede for me according to the will of God, then God is going to take all those things and work them together for my good. And according to his purpose. Now, Jan asked me to do this last week, so if you don't like it, it's, it's her fault. But um, down there written in kind of the light blue, my expanded paraphrase of Romans 8.26. It's big. All right, so, Romans 8.26 is kind of short. My expanded paragraph is not. All right, now, what I've done is I've added a whole bunch of stuff to this. So, don't go to somebody and quote this as the Bible. This is not the Bible. This is Jeff's feeble attempt (laughs) at best, Um, my attempt to somehow express everything that we've been saying that's in verse 26. So follow with me. In a manner similar to the way the Holy Spirit assists us to live out the life of God that is within us, he takes a hold of the burden we have in not being able to pray with the wisdom and insight that are necessary in order to have our prayers be in line with God's will. I know, a lot of words, but that's the best I could do. So, he's helping us. He takes a hold of this burden, which is, I don't know how to pray as is required. So, to be able to pray with the wisdom and insight that are necessary in order to have our prayers be in line with God's will. So, as we pray, for the burden that is upon our hearts, the Holy Spirit prays for us. His conversation with God is so intense and so deep that we do not even hear His words. But it is happening, and it happens every time we pray. There's, there's, no, there's no modifiers on this, about, well, it only happens when this, and it only happens no. You don't know how to pray. The Holy Spirit's helping you. Next paragraph. He meets with God totally on our behalf to determine the words that are in accordance with God's will. And then, as we are listening, he gives the proper words to us. In this manner, we are then able to pray fully in accordance with God's will. He doesn't just do it. He gives you the words so that you can do it. Because it's not the Holy Spirit that is going to bring this glory to God. It's us. Fallen humanity, recreated in His image and likeness, who are desiring to bring His glory, His purposes, and His plans into this earth. And that's what we're doing every time we pray. We're seeking to bring the glories of the kingdom of heaven into this earth. So, that's my attempt. Hope it helps. But let's summarize a couple things. Down to the bottom of your page. Romans 8, 26a, part a, very first part. Likewise, the Spirit helps our weakness, which is we don't know how to pray as is necessary. So the Holy Spirit helps our weakness. Romans eight twenty six part C, the last part of that says, The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So he's praying. His prayer is too deep for words. And then the top of your next page, The Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That comes at the end of verse 27. So, the Holy Spirit is taking hold of our burden. He's interceding for us so that we can know what to pray. And the Holy Spirit is interceding according to the will of God, which He then reveals to us so that we can pray according to the will of God. And so that's how this This flows. Our greatest dilemma in prayer is being able to know how to pray perfectly. And so we have taken lessons. We've read books. We have studied manuals. We have listened to preachers. We have given up because it seems to be too hard. I know a lot of people, they just say, well, I just turn it over to the Holy Spirit and I just pray in tongues and let it be done because somebody has told us that praying in tongues is the perfect prayer it's not it's the perfect prayer for you to get wisdom from God but it's not the perfect prayer for me to know how to pray for you I need his help the perfect prayer for you is not me praying in tongues it's me praying in tongues so that I know how to pray for you and so praying in the spirit is a tool It's an aid. But whether I'm praying in the Spirit or not, listen, listen, the Holy Spirit is praying. Notice, nowhere in there did it say anything about this is about praying in tongues. This is about any time you pray, any kind of prayer. The word for prayer that's used here is the general Greek word for prayer. We do not know how to pray as we ought to pray. It's not the specific word for make a request or a demand. It's not the Greek word for... Uh, Intercede—it's not the Greek word for um, to. Uh, what's the other word? I need—it's not flowing to supplicate, uh, to pour out my heart. It's just the general word for prayer. It's a word for prayer that's used in every context. It simply means converse with God. I don't know how to talk perfectly with Him, so that what I'm asking for is in line with His. I know how to make it in line with my will. I'm pretty good with that. But is my will his will? Is what I want in this situation exactly what he wants? Is it the way he wants to bring it about? And so when I pray, I have to trust that the Spirit of God is going to give me words. And that's what I'm believing for. The thing is, if I'm not listening, I'm not going to get the words. So there's some way that I need to draw these words. It doesn't say he's just going to mold my word. He's going to help me pray properly. So there's somehow I've got to bring this wisdom to myself so that I can pray perfectly. God's solution is that the Holy Spirit makes intercession. Top of your second page there, the Greek word makes intercession, huper intunkano. All right, so there's that long word it means to meet in conference or council regarding the need of someone else and totally for their benefit. This is the Holy Spirit meeting with the Father and the Son. We're not told who He speaks to. It just says God. It doesn't say the Father. It doesn't say the Son. But it does say with God. It was a, isn't the Holy Spirit God? Yeah, they all are. But He's talking with them about our need. And that, that is just so incredible and the beautiful part of this is he can do it when we're all praying all over the world at the same time all right mind blown it's like huh how can he be listening to you and everybody else and me be on his heart because he's god and i'm not And my mind is so limited to understanding the purpose and the plan of God. He can take all those requests. And he does it for every one of us when we're praying. The question is, am I listening? Come back to that. Am I getting from him the words that I need so that I can pray them? Because he doesn't stop With me not knowing the answer, he gives me the answer so that I can pray. All right? So, going back to 1 John chapter 5, it doesn't say for this confidence that the Holy Spirit prays according to the will of God. Yeah, he does. But that's not what 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 is about. It's about me praying according to the will of God. So somehow, i got to get it. As we are praying, he is praying. If we don't pray, he doesn't pray. Again, the steering wheel. If I'm not turning, power steering is not engaged. We pray for the need as we know it. He prays for us to have the knowledge to pray precisely what is needed. So he's going to fine-tune the words. He's going to... I can just... He's going to put words in your mouth. He's going to fine-tune your words. He's going to adjust what it is that you're saying. He's going to give you thoughts and ideas to pray that you didn't have before you started praying. And all of a sudden it's like, well, I don't know why I prayed that. I, I just did. Why did I say this in prayer? Why did I say that in prayer? Because I was... Allowing the Holy Spirit to give me his words. I'm trusting him to make my prayers perfect. I'm not trying to be the perfect prayer. I, I can't be. I just, I, I'm not smart enough. And if I somehow formed a perfect prayer two months ago, guess what? I forgot it. Oh, when did I I write that down? That was the perfect prayer for that situation. And we get all caught up in this. His praying is with these groanings. They're too deep for words. That's what the Greek phrase means. Too deep for words. You can't hear them. They can't even be formulated into words. That's the Holy Spirit's deep and intense prayer for us. You don't even hear it. And it's not... Praying in tongues because we're going to see in just a minute when I pray in the spirit that's my spirit praying not the Holy Spirit that some people have taught well praying in the spirit that's the Holy Spirit praying no it's not it's your spirit praying the Holy Spirit's prayer you can't even hear and he's doing it every time you pray these groanings are the work of the Holy Spirit they're given they're made to help us have the wisdom to pray perfectly. Now, how can we how can we know this will? How can we hear these words? How do we get this? Well, there's four examples I put down there, praying with the Spirit and with the understanding. I'll come back to that in a minute. There's meditating in God's Word. You know, go back to David in the Psalms. He didn't pray in tongues. David in the Psalms he would meditate on God's word. And then he'd offer his prayers. And many times, read David's psalms, many times in his prayers, they started off with his emotions. They started off with his confusion. Sometimes his anger. A lot of times people, and a few times toward God himself. It's like, what are you doing? I'm about to die here, and you know, The dead don't praise God. So if you like my songs, you better keep me alive. what I'm just saying. So, David... But as, as David wrote the psalm, you can watch his words be molded to the place where it comes to the end. It's like, but I am trusting God. And I've cast my care upon the Lord. And I know that God is going to bring these things to pass. I'd like to fry these people to a crisp but God is one who rules and God will visit his vengeance upon people when he's ready to do it now would be a good time God so we get it by meditating in the word Paul offered prayers, Paul's prayers are intense powerful Ephesians chapter 1 verses 15 through 22 Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 16. Paul's intense prayers. Colossians chapter 1. Philippians. We find these prayers of Paul and they're so intense about the need for believers. He prayed for God to do things. He didn't just teach people how to do them. He prayed for God to do them. Paul didn't just say, hey, listen to my teachings and you'll have all this right. No. He prayed that God would reveal to them who they were in Christ. All that they have in Christ. He didn't just teach them that. Because how many of you know, you can tell somebody, but it doesn't always get through. Teenagers. All right, moving on. Or algebra. Or algebra. it never got through Um, God didn't create algebra man did so just I agree yeah so but we also get this through personal communion with God just talking with him the Greek word again the Greek word for prayer is commune converse not lecture commune talk to God and when you talk you listen you speak, you listen. You speak, you listen. It's a conversation, which means two people talking together, right? Not you preaching. Through praise and worship. As we enter ourselves into times of worship and praise with God, he begins to reveal things to us, reveal thoughts. I mean, if, if in a time of prayer uh, or in time of worship, God has brought certain things up to your mind. It's like, oh yeah. We're singing about something. We're we're glorifying God with, with some part of our song and it reminds us of something that we've been praying about. And so then we've got words to pray. So God gives us these things. But, down at the bottom of your page two, one of the major ways in which God has given us to draw his wisdom is praying in the spirit. And so prayer in the spirit is going to take up the rest of this session. Now, most of us in this room, I know, um, are a Pentecostal experience. But there are people that are going to listen to these lessons that may not be. And just because we've had a Pentecostal experience doesn't mean that we got it all down. Right? Because I've sat through a lot of algebra classes and I still didn't get it. But anyway, do you get the idea that I really don't care for algebra? Yeah. All right. Okay, the purpose of praying is prayer in the Spirit has a special place in God's purpose for the believer. It's also referred to as praying in tongues praying in other tongues, praying in unknown tongues or just sometimes as tongues but there's some but there's some um, generalizations and then there's some specifications some breaking down of these things and that's what that paper that I gave you is about. We'll come to that in just a little bit. but first Corinthians 14 breaks down a little bit of how these two things differ. Because tongues is just one Greek word glossolalia. Glossolalia, and it's just tongues. And Paul uses that in reference to God speaking through a person that needs to be interpreted so that people hear it, or you talking to God. And Paul has no distinction between the two except in the context of how he says it. So you've got to look at the context who's being addressed? If it's from God through person, to people, then that needs to be interpreted. That's the gift of tongues, or prophecy with interpretation. But when it's just me talking to God, again, Paul just uses the word glossolalia, and it's just me talking to God, well, that's different, because that doesn't need to be interpreted. I'm talking to God. He knows my language, he knows all the languages of the earth. He also knows the languages of the angels. We speak in tongues of men and angels. So we'll talk about that. So tongues is just the Greek word for glossolalia, And it's the only word Paul had. So he doesn't tell us, oh, this is about this or this is about that. It's just you read the context. And my paper will help you with that. So what is praying in the spirit? It's a special ability given to a believer who has been baptized in the Spirit. Now, what do I mean by that? Bottom paragraph. When we're saved by faith in Jesus Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit within. Everybody say within. We receive the Holy Spirit within. This brings the recreation of the human spirit, so I was dead, now I'm alive, what we call new birth. Union with the Father and the Son. So my, my spirit man is now in union with the Father and Son. I'm in him. He's in me. It brings baptism into the body of Christ. right? So the Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians uh, 12, verse 19, I believe it is. We're baptized into the body of Christ. It also brings us the reality of the presence of the Helper that Jesus talked about in John 14 and 16. So when John talked when Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit's going to be your comforter or your helper, I'm going to send you this one. He's going to teach you and lead you and speak to you and all these things. That's that comes from the new birth. That's because you are a believer. And when you became a believer, the Holy Spirit moved inside. He's in you to be your comforter, your encourager. He's the Paracletes, the one who stands beside you and he calls from your side. He's not called to your side. He's already there. But he calls from your side. He calls to you to be what? Encouraged, taught, led, directed, corrected, rebuked. Or, as I've used the phrase, he's the divine coach who's there at my side calling to me. And he's giving me instructions. It all comes from the new birth. What a glorious thing that we have. Because God has given us his spirit when we got saved. In fact, he's the agency by which we are saved. Mm -hmm. So, he's in there. Top of the next page. But that's not all. When a believer is baptized in the Holy Spirit, sometimes called filled with the Spirit, It is the Holy Spirit coming upon us. Say upon. Upon. There is a difference between within and upon. Now the Greek word filled, to be filled with the Spirit, the Greek word filled doesn't mean to take a glass of water and fill it to the top. It means to take a glass of water and put it in a bowl of water. It's filled inside and out. So filled has to do with not just filled up, but filled to overflowing in the sense that you are possessed by. So it's not just filled with water, it's possessed by the water. The glass has been possessed by the water. So the Holy Spirit comes in us at the new birth, but when we are baptized, He possesses us. He's not just in us, He's upon us. And so the phrase Upon is used consistently talking about this kind of power. You shall be my witness. The Spirit comes, Holy Spirit coming, what? Upon you. And you will be my witnesses, my martyrs, the ones who will testify up to the point of death, they will testify of me. And so this baptism of the Spirit is. Just like being baptized, the Greek word baptism means what? Immersion. I am immersed in the Spirit. I'm not just got the Holy Spirit on the inside. Thank God for that. That's that's salvation. Without the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, I am, I am not saved. I'm not a believer. But God wants more than just the Spirit in me. He wants the Spirit upon me. Everybody say upon. upon. He wants the Holy Spirit upon me so that I can do the things He's called me to do. I can be the witness. So I can have His power working through my life to others. Jesus talked about the fact that the Spirit would come out of us like a river flowing out. And so we are a source of life to other people. It's one thing to have the Holy Spirit quench my thirst... And fill me up so that I thirst no more. Thank God for salvation. But he also wants this water coming out of me. I become a source of water. I become a spring of water. Not just a well. And so this brings, this baptism then brings the power to the believer to be a witness. This power is manifest through them in gifts of the Spirit. Power for service. Power to minister to others. It's power. It's God's divine ability working through us. It's the Holy Spirit flowing out of you. This is the Holy Spirit upon. Okay, bullet points. In the New Testament, when believers received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it was accompanied by speaking in tongues. I'm not going to go to all the references about all of this, I'm just making statements, alright, you can look at some of these references so, Acts 2 verse 4, Acts 2 verse 11 Acts 10, Acts 19 when they received the Holy Spirit when they were baptized in the Spirit, they spoke with tongues in context, their tongues were magnifying God, their tongues weren't preaching their tongues were magnifying God on the day of Pentecost, it says that all the people heard them speaking in their languages, in their own, all the people heard them in their own languages. We do hear them speak in our languages. The glorious works of God, the wondrous works of God. We're all hearing them. I'm hearing them in my language, you're hearing them in yours. But it's just one person speaking in tongues. And yet it comes to the Chinese, it comes to the French, it comes to the Spanish, it comes to the Italian, it flows into the German, it flows to any language that's there. It's like, I'm hearing in my language. No, I'm hearing in in mine. So, they just spoke in tongues. And what did they hear them doing in tongues? Magnifying God. They're glorifying God. Speaking the wondrous works of God. It was Peter then that got up and preached... And he preached in the language of the people so that they could understand. Okay, bullet point next. In context, their tongues were magnifying God, glorifying and praising him. Next point. These tongues are further identified as the tongues of angels. First Corinthians 13, 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. angels. So there is a... so people speak of a heavenly language. It's... It doesn't sound like ours. It's gibberish to us. But to God, it's a language. Next point. They're also identified as either directed to man or to God. So these tongues can go either to man, and therefore it needs to be interpreted, or they go to God, which needs no interpretation. If I bring one of my friends from China, Summer comes over here and she speaks to you. If she speaks in Chinese, it needs an interpreter. But if she's praying to God, no interpreter is necessary. She's talking to God, not to me. That's why in China, a lot of times when we were in China, they they didn't want to interpret our prayers because to them, that's you talking to God. And, And in order for us to help them understand, but I want the people to hear what I'm praying. You know, we had a little bit of a barrier sometimes, and some of the interpreters just would not interpret prayers because they said that's you talking to God, and I'm not gonna, I'm not going to interfere with that. So, whatever. Point being, if it if it's to people, it needs to be interpreted. But it's the same Greek word, glossolalia. You just have to notice to who who is being addressed. All right. When this is directed to the church, it must be interpreted so that the people can be edified. That's called the manifestation of tongues, the gift sometimes, or the gift of tongues. It's accompanied by the manifestation of the interpretation of tongues. So one speaks in tongues, another speaks with in the interpretation of tongues. And they have to go hand in hand. If it's just tongues and you're talking to the congregation in tongues, it is meaningless. And that's what Paul is correcting in 1 Corinthians fourteen. The abuses. People were getting up and just talking in tongues to one another, talking in tongues to the congregation. And it was just confusing. And it wasn't helping anybody. But if it's going to be interpreted, then people can be blessed. It is God speaking through man, through a believer, in order to exhort, edify, or encourage the body of Christ. God speaking to man through a believer. So it's God speaking, for example, through me to the congregation. And it has to be interpreted so that they can be edified, encouraged, and exhorted by the way, People say, well, there's, you know, prophecy doesn't correct. No, the Greek word for exhort means to correct. So go look it up for yourself. You'll see that correction is involved in exhortation. Can prophecy be correcting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're walking in unbelief, God wants to correct it. No, he's not going to air your dirty laundry. No, that's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about correcting the thinking, correcting the attitudes. Think of the prophets of the Old Testament. They wandered into people's stuff. They stepped on some toes. All right. But when it's directed to God, it's not man being addressed. It's God. And you know what? i got to stop here. So, bring your papers next week. I know this is I know this is basic stuff for many of us who have been in Pentecost for many years and we've followed after these ways and we've read many books on speaking in tongues and white tongues and all those things. But there's, I, I'm putting this together to get us to a point so that we can understand all that's being said in this beautiful verse that we love so much about all things work together. But they don't just work together by themselves. God works them together. And part of the way in which God works all these things together is through our prayer. And that's where we're headed next week. So, Father...